0: Our reading this evening is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 58, and it is on page 1025. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy.
1: Well, wonderful to be with you this evening. Um, What fun it is to uh, celebrate those baptisms. And uh, as as I said before, my name's Stuart, and um, I'm the associate vicar here and head of the student ministry, um, and you're really, really welcome. This evening, we're going to be asking a really simple question, which is, um, what would it look like to let God get involved in your life? What would it look like to let God get involved in your life? What would it look like to say yes to Jesus? Or if you've already said yes to Jesus in some way, what would it look like to let him have more space in your life, as Flo was talking about, to say yes to Jesus? That seems like a good question to ask, partially because we've been having baptisms tonight, and that's what Flo and Kalilah have have said. They said yes um, to God getting involved in their life. But also, it's the subject of our passage tonight. You might recognize it. Uh, It's one of uh, the sort of Christmas readings. And I hate to break it to you, but Christmas is coming. I saw an article on Facebook today that um, the Coca-Cola truck might even come within a 40-minute drive of Cambridge. So, uh, you know, Christmas is on its way. And we have our, uh, our carol services coming up before the end of term. So if you want a good carol service, come along here. Christmas is coming. And we often read these, these, these passages at the beginning of Luke's gospel as we come up to Christmas. Um, but often when we read them, we focus on Jesus. And that, that's a very sensible thing to do. Um, but in these evening uh, services, we have been uh, asking a different question. We've been looking at life from odd angles. And we've been seeing what we can learn about life and learn about God from taking the vantage point of some of the people in our passages. And today we're going, to be looking at, uh, we're going to be looking at Elizabeth and Mary. And we're going to be seeing what Luke has to say about how life changes, about what happens when we let God into our lives. So why don't we just pray uh, before we begin, and then we'll dive into to the passage. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the celebrations. We thank you for the word um, we have here, the witness about you, Lord Jesus, in front of us. And we pray that you be with me and be with us as we hear from your word this evening. Open our hearts, we pray. Amen. So what would it look like to let God get involved in your life? What would it look like to say yes to Jesus? Well, I just want to pick up on two big themes, two things that Luke has to say to us about this from these two stories. And uh, the first one is that these two stories are stories of God's favor. They're stories of God's favor. Favor is a key word in our passage. You know, I didn't notice it at first, but as I read and reread these stories, the word favor just keeps coming up. When Elizabeth realizes she's pregnant, she declares, that's verse 25, God has shown his favor to me and taken my disgrace away. When the angel comes to Mary, he says to her, verse 28, Greetings, you who are highly favored. You have found favor with God. And it comes several other places as well. Once you pick up the theme, once you realize uh, this you begin to look at the passage in a new way, and you begin to see the whole, fla- the whole uh, passage is bursting with the flavor of favor. There's joy all around. The angel comes to Zechariah. Zechariah is terrified, but the angel says to him, I have good news for you, good news that will bring joy and delight, not only to you, but to many others as well. Elizabeth bumps into her cousin Mary, and the first thing she says to her is, that you are blessed, you are blessed. And then she says, and I am favoured that I, that, that I am, am even in your presence. Mary begins her song, it's a song of joy. She begins it with the words, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God. And wherever we look in this passage, it has the, the flavour of God's favour. God is just pouring out his goodness. This is a key theme of the first few chapters of Luke's gospel. He really doesn't want us to miss it. He's got layer upon layer of amazing and complicated things to say to us. But this is right at the heart of it. He wants us not to miss that the coming of Jesus brings God's favor. Not only into these two women's lives, but also into many, many others as well. God gets involved in their lives. They say yes to him. He gets involved in their lives and it brings, quite literally, new life. It brings joy and rejoicing. It brings honor where there was previously disgrace. It brings blessing and it brings mercy. It brings singing. Why, why do I mention this? Why do I why just pick this theme out out of many others that we could have picked out? I think it's just really important to know Because when I talk to people about Jesus, talk to them about the possibility of God getting involved in their life, so often people say to me, you know, or they give the impression that they they really just don't want God involved in their life because they have the sneaking suspicion that he's out to get them. The seeking suspicion that at least if he's not out to get them, that he will ruin all the fun if he came close into their lives. A bit like a a porter coming to shut down a party in a college room when there were only three people gathered there sharing one JD and Coke. It's like, come on, you know, a little bit of fun. Or it's like my smug, over-health-conscious family friend telling me that I shouldn't barbecue things because it's carcinogenic. I'm like, come on, just give me some joy here. Just let me enjoy my barbecue. But that is what many of us might think of God, and we never let him get close enough to us to see what he really wants to do in our lives. What would happen if we said yes to Jesus? Well, Luke wants us to know that the coming of Jesus is the coming of God's favour. And actually, not just for Elizabeth and Mary, but for all of God's people, everyone who will receive him. I wonder whether you've ever really asked what life would look like with God involved in it. Maybe you could ask someone here, maybe you've come with a friend who does know Jesus. Why don't you ask them what God might want to do in your life if you let him in, if you said yes. We've been hearing a lot of uh, manifestos recently, haven't we, you know? Election 2019, whoop whoop. I see you all feel the same. We've been hearing, haven't we, um, people standing up and casting visions for what life would look like um, if we handed them the reins and we let them take charge of our lives and many other people's lives. They have manifestos. Well, Jesus had a manifesto. In Luke's gospel, he has a manifesto. And four chapters later, he begins his ministry in Israel by proclaiming this in his first ever sermon. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To, to, to proclaim and bring the favor of God. That's Jesus' manifesto. And I just want want to say, I want to highlight what you've already heard. You've heard Flo and Kalilah talk just a little bit about their stories. And I just want to say, these are stories of God's favor. You know, Flo was talking about how she's moved from seeing God as, uh, you know, as fear and mistrust, I think was what she said at the beginning, to a place of healing and of being excited about going on an adventure with Jesus, to see what he has for her. And Kalilah also talks about, she said there at the end, that she has found in God a real friend, someone she can talk to and know that always, that is always listening, someone who truly cares. I don't know what you think about God. Maybe, you, maybe you've been following God for a long time, but you've forgotten this. But Luke wants us to know that Jesus is God's favor to us. He loves us. He is for us. This passage is full of a flavor of favor. That's the first thing. But the second thing um, that we see when we look at these passages is there are also stories of God's faithfulness. There are also stories of God being faithful to his word and to what he promised he would do. Uh, one of my favorite comedians is a guy called Dimitri Martin, and he just basically stands in a room playing guitar and saying one-liners. So that really just tells you a lot about you kind know, of where I'm going with my sense of humor. And one of my favorite of his one-liners just goes like this. I am a man of my word, and that word is unreliable. And I, I was literally crying in the office on Thursday. And Claire, I don't think she found that one funny, but she was crying as she laughed at me crying, so that was it. God is actually a man of his word. Jesus is a man of his word. God is reliable. And both of these stories hinge exactly on this. First with Elizabeth and then with Mary, the story goes like this. God turns up, speaks to them, and makes an extraordinary promise, a promise that is barely possible to believe. And then, part two, he fulfills it. Then, part two, he comes through and he delivers on his word. Literally, that's a pun. He delivered on his word. The first story is is almost comical. Um, Zach and Liz are nearing retirement. uh, When one day, Zachariah is serving in the temple, when an angel appears to him and tells him that God is going to uh, God has heard their prayers and he's going to give them a son in their old age. And Zach does not respond well to this. He's like, seriously, you're going to answer our prayers now? Would have been really helpful like 40 years ago. Have you seen Liz recently? How is this going to work? I am going to need a miracle to believe this. To which the angel replies, I'm sure it's not recorded there, but I'm sure he says something like, thanks for the sarcasm. Um you realize that I'm just the messenger, that when you doubt what I'm saying to you, you're actually doubting what God has said to you. And if you want a sign, here's a sign. You'll not be able to talk until your son is born. Wow. So there you go. If you ever speak to an angel, that's what not to say. And then I think this must be one of the funniest bits of, one of, the, funniest bits of the Bible. I mean, you... You just read over it. It's pretty quick. Just read about it. But I think this must have been hilarious to watch. Because I I see this as the the only game of priestly pictionary that I can find in the Bible. Zachariah, now unable to speak, has to come out from the temple and explain to the crowd what he's seen. So this must have been pretty fun. So you can imagine him coming out. He's been a long time. Everyone's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, he can't speak. He can't speak. Oh, this is fun. I love this game. Gather around, people. Gather around. Okay all right okay what is it is it a book is it a book is it a book is it a film it's a film no no it's a vi- it's a vision genre is a vision fantastic two words two words first word rub no uh cut no uh saw yes saw fantastic first word second word second word, second word. pigeon you cut a pigeon and you saw the pigeon. no angel no a- uh, uh uh eagle angel yes angel i saw an angel i just think that must have been quite funny sorry there's actually no point to that part of the talk. I just wanted to do that. Um, sorry about that. When uh, Gabriel visits Mary, she is also understandably uh, she also understandably struggles with what God has said to her for obvious reasons. She's not married. Uh, she's a virgin, as she helpfully tells the angel. Um, her, her question to the angel, though, is, is much less like Zach's, come on, prove it. That's, I'll never believe it. And much more just, how is this going to happen? And Gabriel's response to her is really telling. He says to her, he basically says to her, God is able to deliver on his word. This is going to be a sovereign miracle. It's going to be a work of God in your life. And then he ends by saying this to her. Actually, it's not very well translated in our uh, church Bibles, the New translation says this. He ends by saying to her, um, for no word of God will ever fail. God has said this to you, for no word of God will ever fail. And Mary's response is just wonderful. It's, it's simple trust. And she says to, to, to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the thing is, you see, it was. It was. And both of them fall pregnant God is faithful to his word to these women. And again, though, um, God is not just being faithful to these two women and what he said to them. Uh, Luke is abundantly clear that something much bigger is, uh, is going on here. Um, the, it's in what the angels say about, um, about John and Jesus, it's in uh, Mary's song later. But God is not only being faithful here to these two women, but he's also being faithful to his people, the people of Israel. And specifically his promise to send the long-awaited Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, to come himself, to rescue them, to reveal himself to them, and to establish his just rule on the earth. And I find this remarkable that Luke just picks out this point and he makes it almost one of his themes of these these first few chapters. Luke wasn't a Jew. He was a Greek, and he was probably writing to Greek people. And it's remarkable he chooses to to, to go on and on about the fact that God is being faithful to his people here. But he wants us to get it. He wants us to see that God is a God who fulfills his word. Jesus didn't come out of nowhere. He is God fulfilling his promises. First of all, Luke begins his gospel in the temple. Um, That's really significant. The beginning of of his his story begins with a a faithful priest doing his duties, waiting for God to fulfill his word. Next, we're told that John is not just going to be a miracle baby, but he's going to come in the line of the prophets, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. This is in continuity with what God is doing. And finally, Jesus Well, Jesus, he has lots to say about Jesus, but he's not just gonna be God and the Son of God, but he's gonna be God's fulfillment of his promises to David, the King David, and and, and, and that he would always have a king on the throne, and to Abraham, as Mary says in his song. Luke wants us to, to take home this message loud and clear. This is not just God's favor. Jesus is also God's faithfulness. God is delivering on his word. And this again is important. You know, we were talking about manifestos earlier. I was talking about manifestos earlier. Um, And many people are promising many things to us, aren't they? You know, many amazing things. We've, you know, 20,000 police officers, a fully funded NHS, a smooth Brexit, no Brexit, something else about Brexit, free broadband, 30 million trees, 60 million trees. Where are they gonna put the trees, but anyway, The thing is, though, isn't it, it's one thing to promise things, especially before you get elected, and it's, a, it's another thing to deliver on it. It's another thing to actually um, deliver on your word, which is why all of the parties are turning around, pointing at each other and saying, well, yeah, it's all very well you say that, but there's no way. You, you haven't worked out how much that's going to cost. You haven't worked out how you're going to deliver that. You can't do that. But God is faithful He's able to deliver on his word. He did for Elizabeth. He did for Mary. And he will for us too. If you do take the time to read um, one of the Gospels, one of the stories of Jesus' life, maybe Luke, you'll hear Jesus making some extraordinary promises. Just three I'm going to pick out. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. He promises us soul rest in a world that's running ragged. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, darkness but will have the light of life. He promises us truth and a, to walk through life with us. Maybe one of his biggest promises is this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die promises to be able to walk us through death and to the other side unlike anyone else when jesus makes these promises when he sets out his manifesto for what life would look like if we let him into our lives he did know what it would cost him he did know what it would cost to achieve this for us he knew from the beginning of his ministry that it would cost him everything even his own life on a cross. It would cost him uh, everything to bring us this life and forgiveness and favor and acceptance with God. But he did it. And he rose from the dead to prove that he has the power to deliver on our promises. I wish I could give another talk on Jesus rising from the dead. But it, it, it just says so much about his ability and his desire to come through and pour favor upon us. You know, God is still at work today being faithful. Those promises I've just mentioned, he is is good for. He is good for those promises. But he's still speaking and delivering on his promise, just like he did to Mary and Elizabeth. I could tell you the story of how God spoke to me about coming back here to work at HT, even when there wasn't a job. And then how God delivered, and within a week, a job just came from nowhere. There's more miracle to that than I've mentioned. Or I could tell you about a friend who felt God clearly tell him uh, to go and take a job leading a church that couldn't afford to pay him. And he agreed, and he followed what he felt God was saying to him, and a £100,000 in cash was left in a bin bag outside his door. It was in the National Papers, so extraordinary. I could tell you about another friend of mine who was walking down by the river when he felt God say to him, you need to go and tap the person uh, uh, ahead of you on the shoulder and say... um, God loves you. I just want to let you know. I feel like he said to me that you're about to go and commit suicide and you need to know that God loves you. And he did it. And when he spoke to the guy, the guy initially said, no, that's not me. But then after 100 meters down the road, he he said, that is me. And he pulled a rope out of his bag and said, I was going. Thank you for being obedient. And I'm sure among us, we have so many stories of God speaking and being faithful. What would it look like to let God into your life? Have you ever really asked that question? Or maybe you have, but you still feel that this part maybe he's spoken to you recently, or you feel he's calling you deeper, and you're afraid of saying yes. Go for it. So where do we stand in all this? Elizabeth Elizabeth, uh, gets the punchline, she gets the star line in the film, uh, and it comes in verse 45. And it's very simple. She says this, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her would be accomplished. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her would be accomplished. Luke is setting us up at the beginning of this story. He's setting Elizabeth and Mary up as paradigms of how we're supposed to respond to what we see and hear. The stories, what Jesus is doing, what he says. He's saying to us, blessed are those who believe what the Lord has said. Jesus, Luke wants us to know, is God's favor and God's faithfulness to us. He hasn't come to condemn. He's come to save and reconcile. But the key to this blessing is is to believe. It's to come close to to Jesus and to learn to trust him. And not only to trust in him, but to entrust ourselves to him. And that is what Flo and Kalilah have been been saying today. They've been saying like Mary, may your word be fulfilled. I'm going to walk as if what you've said is true. So I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are with Jesus. But I just want to encourage us. Two things from this story. The coming of Jesus into our lives is God's favor. He has good things for us. And it's also his faithfulness. He is able to deliver on his word. So let's be brave and say yes to him today. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this amazing example that Elizabeth and Mary set us. And we see the challenge that they must have faced, even the confusion as you broke into their lives. But we thank you for the way that they said yes to you. We thank you for the way that through that you brought your favor and your life to the world. And we ask that you would teach us the same heart, Mary and Elizabeth and you teach us the courage to let you come close and we pray that as we do that we would see an outbreak of your favour in our lives and in this church and in this city thank you that you are good Lord Jesus Amen. Amen